to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fulick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to risk management, change management, business continuity, resilience, COVID, well-being, anything that helps you, your organization, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please feel free. You can find me on LinkedIn. I am the only Alex Fulick there. I am really easy to find, and I do respond to everything I get. Alternatively, you can find me at alexfulick.com. Longtime listeners and viewers, you know I love to read. I have mountains and mountains of books. And today I'm going to talk about one of the recent books I have read called Change Management for Risk Professionals. It's by Dr. James Leffler, and I'd like to welcome him to the show. James, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. Glad to be here. And uh, just so everybody knows, this is actually your second appearance. You were here ooh, two and a half years ago, if I recall. Yes, with uh, uh, Mark Siegel discussing uh, our uh, co-authored book on organizational resilience. That's right. Yeah, that was quite a while ago. Well, I, I, and I remember you telling me that uh, you were probably going to be writing another book or two at some other point uh, as well. So I've kind of kept my eye open for this one. And when I finally noticed it, I thought, great, it's out. I got to reach out. We got to get him back on the show. I'm glad you did. Thank you very much. So uh, just in case anyone didn't listen or hasn't heard that previous episode on Voice America, can you take a moment and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes. Uh, I have a doctorate in organizational development and change. I also have a master's degree in uh, criminal justice. I work uh, for Booz Allen Hamilton uh, in the business continuity program office. I also teach criminal justice to uh, graduate and doctoral students at St. Leo University in their distance education program, in their criminal justice program, public public safety administration, uh, distance education program. Great. Well, I'm glad you were able to make it for a second appearance on the show. And congratulations on the book, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I focus, uh, I cover a lot of areas. Uh, I love business continuity. Uh, but I also have a background in crisis management, security management, risk management, uh, organizational resilience, and there's a, and change management. And there's a tremendous amount of overlap mm-hmm. between yes. all those various disciplines, which I bring to at least I try to bring together in uh, in the change management book, uh, focusing on risk professionals, and a lot of um, the, well, the, the, the reason that I, that I wrote the Change Management for Risk Professionals book was through uh, interactions with uh, friends, professionals, uh, anecdotal uh, interchanges on, you know, this sort of thing happened. How do I get around that? How do I resolve this? Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I just felt that there are a number of excellent change management books out on the market but none of them really focus on uh, risk professionals and risk-oriented disciplines. Uh, and, and that's why I focused on this, trying to provide some, some really basic, um, uncomplicated recommendations, suggestions on how to go about uh, looking at uh, organizations, systems, the uh, the, uh, the development of uh, change initiatives, uh, the idea of uh, transformative change, uh, you know, corporate culture, all that, all that sort of stuff. 
which a lot of risk professionals really don't think about. They, they you know, in organizations, people tend to focus on uh, a project and they focus mm. on that project. And I, I like to tell them, okay, that's great. That's tremendous. But you need to take a step back because there's an enormous amount of work that needs to take place before you start headlong into a project. So let, so me, ask the, let me ask the first question then. Why should change management be important to risk professionals? Uh, well, uh, change management, change occurs in organizations all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, change, it, you know, it's the old, the old adage that, you know, change is constant. It's, it's always taking place. And especially with organizations, uh, change is absolutely essential for the survival of an organization. Change yeah. is constantly occurring uh, both internal and external to the organization. Uh, think, about, uh, think about your laptop. You buy a state-of-the-art laptop today. By the time it arrives, it's already slightly outdated, and it only gets more outdated as the days tick by. And True. You know, the same thing happens in organizations. They buy technology and it starts to become uh, outdated. Uh, Patches occur, all kinds of upgrades occur. uh, And and all of that sometimes uh, facilitates the need for change management within an organization. It it will have to occur one way or the other. so, you know, from a risk management perspective for, for risk professionals, uh, they, to be successful, you need to understand uh, projects are transformative in nature. They involve uh, the complex systems of the organization, and you have to understand the culture of the organization. You know, the, the complex systems are... Uh, they involve uh, functional processes, uh, various, you know, the, the, the departments, and they're all interrelated, and they're all interdependent. So what happens in one department, in one process, has a very good chance of impacting several other departments. So let's say, for instance, HR. Um, the hiring process involves a number of different processes that uh, depending on the nature of the organization. And that's the one thing that we have to always keep in mind. Organizations are different. They're, they're, uh, they're unique to themselves. Even if they're in the same industry, they're still unique because the culture is different. Uh, you know, Some of the processes are going to be the same, but their business strategy is different. Uh, all kinds of little differences are, are in place for each organization. And risk professionals have to understand the, uh, the fundamental nature of the organization. They have to understand the culture, the informal and the formal culture. Uh, you know, you, you might think, well, the culture of the organization would be formal. It, it's just there. But there is also a hidden aspect that takes place in, in cultures uh, within the organization. You know, you, you might have somebody that is who's been around for a long time and they have a lot of influence and they can convince people to do things just by sharing their opinion. That's part of the, um, you know, the informal culture. Who do you go to to get things done? Whenever I go to an organization, I often find who's the one person that actually knows what they're doing and how to get things done, you know, whether it's ordering something or, you know, making something happen. And then I go to that person all the time. It doesn't matter if that person's in my or in my little department or my group. If that person knows what they're doing, that's who I go to. 
That's the informal culture of an organization. And risk professionals, uh, when they, when they uh, organize and plan out projects, they have to understand the culture. They have to understand the organization and how things actually work, not just how everyone says they're going to work. You know, it's, it's like, the, it's like the, uh, the organizational structure is it's the typical chart. Well, that's great. You know, except there's all kinds of dotted lines all over the place that that's how you actually get things done. You have to know the right people. Uh, so there's, there's a hidden aspect to it that risk professionals need to know, uh, not only for projects, but for risk issues, um, because risk permeates the entire organization. Well, now you got me thinking, what comes first, the risk, the change, or the project management created to address those? Which comes first to create? I would think, well, I would suggest the risk comes first. Uh, risk often facilitates change. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the differentiation between change and the project there's a lot of overlap. Often people think the project would come before the change because uh, they're thinking of change as an outcome. Mm -hmm. I think of change as a process, as a long-term process that um, actually goes beyond the boundaries of the project itself. You know, if you were to put the project on a continuum, the, the change aspect would go beyond that to include before the project actually begins and mm -hmm. after the project ends. That's true. I would agree to that. The, so you're talking about the risk professional. Is that what you mean when you say, uh, or you talk about in your book, a change agent? Uh, a change agent really can be anyone within the organization. Uh, the change agent seeks to transform an organization um, through their, their interpersonal skills, through their persistence and dedication to facilitating the, the change initiative itself. Uh, and, and putting all the pieces together, all their efforts, they're looking to accomplish some sort of a positive outcome, um, you know, transform the organization from what it was to what it now becomes after the change initiative. Uh, and not all change initiatives have to be big, grand projects. They, they, it can be something simple, um, like... Um, the type of chair that you have in an office, that's a change initiative. And as simple and as mundane as that may appear, it's inc it, it has potential to become a serious problem if it's not handled correctly, because you have um, potential ADA issues, you have ergonomic issues relative to any hidden medical conditions that people might have. Um, it, it looks simple up front until you start peeling that onion apart and then it, it's, oh, what a mess. Yeah. How you handle that is everything. You know, how, you know, from the very beginning to the very end. And communication is essential throughout the entire process. Uh, Communication is probably the most significant skill any professional has. Yes. Whether because if you can if you cannot communicate effectively, you're in it's a serious challenge to mm -hmm. to do anything, get anything accomplished, um, get your point across to, to people. So yes, change managers. Or, I'm sorry, change agents um, 
can be anyone, uh, the, the person that's managing the change initiative. It could be the change um, uh, support champion. Like if you, uh, every project has some sort of a senior level champion. Uh, it's the same thing, you know, think of change management as another layer on top of project management. And it helps grease the wheels of the organization. So you have your change uh, manager, your change champion, but you could also have somebody who is very influential at a lower level and they can become a change agent just because of their involvement, their dedication, persistence. Uh, they jump on the bandwagon, they support it. They communicate the benefits and the values to all the right people to, to make uh, to make the change initiative successful because that helps reduce the resistance to change. Right. It sounds like it also, it also could be um, just the expression, a change agent could also be someone who just expresses an idea. Yes. Right. It could be, it could be the person that comes up with the initial uh, recognition that there's a problem that we need to address or there's an opportunity uh, to take advantage of a risk because, you know, as, as everyone knows on, on this call that the, uh, you know, risk is both positive and can be both positive and negative. You know, usually, you know, the negative tends to get all the publicity, but risk can be positive. It could be an opportunity and somebody can just recognize that there's a risk here that we can take advantage of if we do X, Y, and Z, and mm -hmm. they get the ball rolling. They can be the change agent that starts the, the momentum to transform the organization. So my next question, let's go to uh, the next part. What is organization resilience management? Because you talk about that. <coughs> and when I first okay. came across it, I thought, well, I thought we were talking about change management. So what, what is this? Uh, I, I brought organizational resilience management into the change management discussion uh, to help provide structure as an example of how to implement change in an organization because uh, change management is an essential component of organizational resilience management. As we discussed on our previous call, uh, organizational resilience is the adaptive and absorptive capacity of an organization in a complex and changing environment. So uh, the, 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 the better, oh, let's see how to say this. Um, if an organization can, can change and, and maintain the flexibility of um, absorbing and adapting to a situation, you know, as, as the change occurs, the, the more resilient organization is going to be able to change and adapt to a situation. They can absorb uh, you know, financial stress if they have to, uh, let's say during the COVID situation where companies were all of a sudden faced with, uh, do we let our employees, do we lay them off? because we're, we're reducing the amount of work we have, do we lay them off and then pay unbelievable amounts of money to rehire people? Or can we keep them on to have them do other things and uh, you know, do basically a cost-benefit analysis over you know, letting people go or keeping them on, uh, trying to get them to do other things? Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it, it's that idea that um, you, you need, in, in our first, in the first book I, I, I worked on, we discussed the structure of systems management and uh, the uh, plan, do, check, act uh, cycle 
for implementing uh, change in a structured format. And that's the reason why I brought organizational resilience into this into the discussion. As an example, uh, as to how you can do this effectively, uh, you need you need to structure it. You need uh, both a high level, but it also you know a strategic, but also a tactical perspective on how to go about implementing the change. You, you need that structure and. That was the reason for doing that. Uh, there's, there's also another uh, model that, that I included in the book uh, by uh, uh, Professor uh, John Cotter. <clears throat> Cotter's model focuses on uh, justifying the, the project, justifying the change initiative, uh, establishing support uh, establishing a connection between the initiative and the uh, the people or uh, the employees of the organization, uh, effective communication strategies and approaches, uh, managing resistance to change, the use of practical plans, uh, momentum through communication, and institutionalization of the initiative. So. That's why if, you, if we go back to that example of the continuum, the project runs from here to here. The change model is outside of that because now you have to uh, justify the project and begin the whole communication approach. But at the tail end of it, after the project ends, you want to institutionalize that project and move it from a project to a program so that it has a life beyond just that project. Mm -hmm. Not, and I suppose not all projects would fall into that category. Um, and the only one that I can really think of is maybe that chair example that I, that I brought up. Um, you know, you, when you buy your, when you get new chairs for the office, um, you know, even that is going to fall into much larger programs and it doesn't necessarily have to be it's a, a program unto itself. It can filter into other existing programs so that it becomes part of the fabric of the organization. Mm -hmm. And that concept right there is incredibly important. Don't rock the boat. Use the organization, use the processes, the, the, uh, the existing practices that are there because people know those practices. They know the processes. You know, they know the forms that you're going to use. They know um, all the existing approaches so that when they see it, it doesn't startle them. It's business as usual type. So you're not... You, you're not stressing people out with, oh my God, now we're changing everything. I've got to learn a whole new way of doing things. Not like that at all. You when people stress out like that, that means there was bad communication about what's going on. Exactly right. Exactly. And I try to get that across to people all the time. Um, the, the communication of the simplest thing has to be carefully considered. You have to consider the implications of the language that you're using, the way you describe things, because it all comes into play. And if, if you don't take the time to, to really think about what's being said, it can come back in very strange ways, many of which are, are negative. So, uh, you know, one of the things to remember about change initiatives, uh, many of them fail. Uh, there, there was some research done on this, um, and there were some. Yeah, I've, I've seen many articles that have said that. You know. <clears throat> some, of, some of the numbers are, are just crazy. 90% uh, 90, 90 of the change initiatives fail or... Uh, as low as 20%. Uh, a lot of that 
is uh, it's unsubstantiated. It's anecdotal in nature. Uh, it, it looks like from from what I could find, about fifty percent of the change initiatives fail. That doesn't necessarily mean the entire initiative fails, but various parts of it. And it doesn't come to the full uh, of fruition that you would expect or desire uh, as the outcome. Uh, so there, you know, you you want to be successful, and you want the change to be as dynamic and uh, beneficial as possible. To do that, you you need to have that structure. You need to consider uh, the you know Cotter's model to uh, to bring structure to it and help guide you through the whole process of making things work. And on that note, we've come to the end of our first segment. We are talking with Dr. James Leffler today, author of Change Management for Risk Professionals, and we will be right back. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fulick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Not enough women are talking about money. Lisa Chastain is aiming to change that. If you are feeling uncertain with your financial decisions, join us on Real Money, Mondays at 10 a.m. on the Voice America Business Channel, where you will learn how to become more capable with your financial choices. Listen in and hear stories from other women on how they tackled their financial challenges. You will learn from leading industry experts all the tips, tricks, and advice that you need to establish financial confidence and freedom. Listen in Mondays on Real Money with Lisa Chastain. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insights from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, and get hired into the career you want and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullock. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Dr. James Leffler and his book, Change Management for Risk Professionals. Uh, James, I have one question for you uh, from the first segment. You mentioned that change can happen really quickly. So I'm wondering how do, with change happening so quickly, how do risk professionals stay on top of the changing risks that occur with change? Because you, you mentioned before, you know, as soon as we get a laptop, it's almost out of date, it seems. And that would mean the risk is changing all the time. So how do risk professionals stay on top of 
such a quick pace of change? Right. Now, that's a good question. Uh, the, the, way, the way an organization can maintain um, an understanding of risks and how they change is to have a well-developed risk management program so that they're constantly reviewing and uh, assessing risk from uh, small scale, large scale, uh, project perspective, program perspective. Uh, so you have to have that uh, risk management program in effect. It has to be wide scale. It, if at all possible, your, your goal is to create a climate of risk management within the organization so that everyone has almost a moral imperative to be part of the risk management process, acknowledge when, when a risk occurs or develops, if they see something that needs, that needs to be discussed or reported to, to management, they don't just walk by it. They actually take the time to, uh, you know, take notes on it or whatever it is, report it to management, and begin the process of assessing the risk. Uh, you know, you know, going through uh, root cause analysis to, you know, what's the real cause of this? Just because we see something, that could just be a symptom of the risk, not the actual cause of the risk. So right. you want to you want to take the time and perform uh, you know, a root cause analysis, understand what's driving this, this, uh, this risk to occur. And if you maintain a uh, focus on that sort of thing, you're always uh, in place to, to uh, address the risk and uh, implement change initiatives focused on dealing with the risk. Uh, that, that flexibility is essential to, to the success of the organization's uh, risk program. Okay. Now, there's something else you mentioned in, in your book that um, I was surprised to read because a lot of times we're thinking change, when we think of change, we're thinking, uh, you know, project management, like you said, program management and things like that. Um, but you, I, 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 I don't want to say maybe took a step to the side here and you talked about personal change management. What did you mean by yeah. that? I, I, that's a, that's a good observation. I did bring in personal change. Uh, primarily because, <clears throat> excuse me, when you, when you look at an organization, you have to understand the organization. Organizations are made up of people the culture of the organization. If we acknowledge that personal change is also taking place concurrent to organizational change, there are some real benefits that take place. On a personal level, uh, you, you want to maintain that, uh, that flexible approach, that flexibility of mind uh, that you know, allows the individual to acknowledge change always occurs. Change is often good if they understand what's happening. Um, you know, uh, think about um, getting a certification, a professional certification. That's a, uh, that's a change initiative focused on the individual, and it's part of a, uh, a lifelong uh, desire to maintain their uh, their education, their knowledge base, and uh, it, it's that whole flexibility of mind to acknowledging the value of change that when change does occur in the organization, people don't take uh, the, the traditional negative approach to it. They mm -hmm. actually stop and think about, okay, you know, change is going to occur. The organization... I, as an individual, must maintain my flexibility uh, to keep my skills current, to keep my, um, my mental attitude uh, in, in the right place. 
organizations have to change to to maintain their competitiveness. Uh, so you know all this stuff has uh, has uh, implications beyond just the traditional approach, and that's why I I uh, added the personal change aspect. It's kind of um, honing your skills, you know, con- constantly improving to adapt to the changing environment, not just within right. an organization, but you know, a business environment or the community environment or whatever they happen to be working in, right? Yes, exactly. Now, you touched on something there, um, negative feedback with change or resistance to change. And I know during our, our break, you said you kind of had some suggestions on how to deal with that. Because, you know, I, just like you, I've been on projects and programs where you, know, you have a group, a, a whole department or, you know, an individual, sometimes even an executive who's just resistant to change. You know, and even when it's happening, <laughs> it doesn't want anything to do with it. So how do you deal with that resistance to change? The first thing is to acknowledge that it's a, uh, a strong possibility that people are not going to like the change. Uh, mm. you, you, know, you go through and you have your communication strategy. How are you going to educate everyone before long before the change starts that this is what we're looking at try to get them involved in developing some of the aspects of the project have them become part of the of the process of change so that they have a vested interest in what happens and they become part of the solution it's not just forced upon them a, a lot of uh, a, a lot of old time professionals, you know, they, they take that approach that um, we're management. This is what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Great, you're on your way to failure <laughs> before you even start because yeah. you have the wrong mindset, you have the wrong attitude. It's not about forcing people to do things. You have to influence them and convince them that the benefits of this change are directed to them, that they will be the beneficiaries of the change initiative. It's here to help them. Here's why it's going to help them. Uh, your, your example of senior leadership, uh, one, there, there's a very good reason why some senior leaders uh, resist change. They don't they don't know what the risk is, so they want to avoid the risk ever happening, so they're going to resist the change. And as annoying as, as that is, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's out there. It happens all the time. It's better to avoid the, the, the whole change initiative uh, than to accept the possibility that we're going to have uh, some unknown risk that we're going to have to address and, and try to solve. Uh, you know, organizations typically are slow to change, but not all organizations. Some organizations constantly change. They, they maintain a high degree of flexibility uh, to maintain their competitiveness because they have people in the organization their sole job is to look at the external environment and see, okay, what are the changes occurring in the industry that we focus on? And uh, take note of those changes, look at the implications of things that are currently taking place and how are they going to impact um, what we do, how we do it, why we do do things uh, so that, you know, they, they collect all that information, they analyze it, they make recommendations, and they, they help facilitate the change in the organization. So, so not all organizations are, um, you, know, uh, you know, geared towards avoiding change. Some of them have it happening all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's a positive thing. You have to take advantage of that. Uh, you, you want to decrease that cynicism, 
um, the, the dubious trust of leadership. You know, over, over the years, you know, if, if you have change initiatives that don't work out and uh, leaders that aren't sincere, they aren't genuine in what they're saying, they're not honest in what they say. Uh, the, the employees begin to distrust the, the, those leaders simply because we had lied to us the last time. Why should I believe you now? You know, that, that sort of thing happens all the time. Um, also, I, I actually, okay, go uh, ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I actually have a memory from uh, my hospitality restaurant days where we had uh, restaurant ownership. There was a whole bunch of restaurants in the chain. And he loved travel. So every time he went to Florida or California or uh, Montreal or wherever, he would come back with a new idea wanting to implement it in his restaurant chain. And after a while, some of the changes were great. You know, we liked them, but they were happening so fast that after a while, before you even got used to the last change, they're trying to change it again. And what ended up happening is people started to go off and do their own thing and started to ignore every change. Right. To your point, they started to lose trust in the leadership. That's because uh, it, it sounds like they didn't have a structure for managing that change. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's good to, to remain flexible. It's good to uh, implement change to maintain the competitiveness of an organization, but you have to have controls around how you do it, how you communicate it, uh, the pace at which the change occurs. It can't be disorganized. The moment it becomes disorganized, people will uh, they'll, they'll resist the, the whole concept because uh, they'll think that you just don't know what you're doing. And it sounds like that's what they thought that the CEO or this guy, he was just traveling, getting all these ideas. And now things are happening so fast. Uh, we don't know what, which way is up. And a lot of that, it's, it's just a bad way to, to, to go about trying to uh, maintain competitiveness because if you create chaos in your wake, you're, you're not benefiting anybody. You're just creating problems. That's not, that's change resulting in chaos. You want change that results in a positive transformative change to the organization and benefits not only the organization, but the people. Yeah. And as a footnote, all the staff started to rebel, all the restaurant managers started to rebel and all the uh, customers started to as well because they didn't know what to expect when they walked through the doors anymore. And that restaurant chain no longer exists. So there you go. Well, that's, that's a good lesson on what not to do <laughs> for, <laughs> uh, for, for change. Yeah. <clears throat> now, uh, I, I do have some, uh, some recommendations uh, to, to deal with the whole concept of resistance to change. Uh, you absolutely must gain firm personal approval from the CEO and senior leadership that the change initiative is both uh, valuable and necessary to, for the benefit of the organization. It has, you, you need that top-down support. Uh, you also need the bottom-up support, but the top-down comes first because if, you know, if you go out and you start dealing uh, or, or explaining the change initiative, if the senior leadership is not on board yet, um, if they haven't already sent out messages and supported the concept, people are going to say, well, that's, that's a great idea. However, since I don't report to you and my boss hasn't told me that I need to do this, I don't have the time to do it. And I need to focus on the things that my boss is expecting me to do. Yeah. So, you know, the, the realities of the organization can't be overlooked. You, you have to take those into consideration. Uh, the CEO 
has to continue to support the initiative. Uh, it can't just be one simple message. It has to be continual support. Uh, you know, you, you need a marketing strategy for the change initiative. And that's the part that takes place before you even start the project. You, you, you need to really market it. It's, you're trying to convince people. Um, I, I, <laughs> I like to think of the example from, uh, from Seinfeld when Kramer uh, was, <laughs> when he was pretending to be in a marketing, uh, in an ad firm, he wasn't actually hired. He just showed up and started going to meetings. And he said, uh, you know, we sell sizzle, not steak. And that's all part of that whole marketing strategy that it's, it's all the, uh, the tangential issues that surround the project. You need to be able to market that, convince people of the benefit, the positiveness of it, uh, so that they can begin to kind of latch on to it and say, okay, this makes sense. Uh, it, it may be a little inconvenient, but it, it makes sense. Uh, is that that, um, what is it, uh, what's in it for me type feeling? Make them feel, hey, what, what do I get out of this? How, how am I benefiting it? Making, making them understand that viewpoint? Yes, that's exactly it. And, and an example of that uh, is a physical security. The nature of physical security is it's inconvenient. It creates uh, a whole series of inconvenient um, activities and requirements, but that's the nature of physical security. You're trying to make it more difficult for the bad guys to get into your organization. If you don't have all those inconveniences in place, what's to stop the bad guy from walking in? Think of uh, an ID card or, or a surveillance uh, video. Uh, <clears throat> having to wear an ID card is inconvenient for some people. Uh, for others, it's not inconvenient at all. Uh, you know, if, if you were attached with the federal government or the military uh, and you were constantly in that sort of an environment, it's not an inconvenience. Mm. For people that aren't used to that type of environment, having to wear an ID card could be viewed as really uh, intrusive and it's, it's just such an aggravation. Uh, you have to explain to them why it's important to wear it, the benefits uh, of keeping people out, being able to identify people that belong in the organization, all those sorts of things. So there, there, you have to have that, that marketing strategy. Um, basically, you need to convince people in, um, in, in your communications through sincere, genuine, honest messaging that the change is beneficial to everyone. It benefits them in very practical ways. Uh, you, know, you can build a story around how that change is going to benefit them and make them part of the change, have them yeah. uh, become part of the working team to come up with some of the ideas. Uh, you want to develop that vested interest. <coughs> so um, and, so we, and, only have, we only have two minutes left. And, Believe it or not, time flies. And, and the rest of it is pretty much along the same lines. Um, this would probably be a, a good opportunity for me to say, buy the book and read the rest of the adventure for yourselves. Um, <laughs> That's the book. <laughs> so um, there, 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 are, there are useful uh, checklists in, in the book. I focused on business continuity and security management. Uh, for, for risk professionals, you can modify those uh, checklists for your, uh, you know, customize them for your uh, given situation. But I have some things in there to, to help get that message across to everyone. A minute and a half left. Any final thought? 
Uh, change management is incredibly important and valuable. It is uh, something that everyone should learn about, uh, gain at least a basic understanding of uh, why what I'm referring to as change management is so much more than the traditional uh, move ad change uh, issues that you have in an organization. You know, if my uh, if somebody's moving their desk from the first floor to the third floor, that's a move ad change where their telephone is um, advanced up to the to the new location. Their their contents of their desk are moved up there. That's that's not really what I'm referring to as change management. It's so much more. It will. Uh, if you understand change management and you uh, go through and follow the recommendations, your project has a much greater chance of success than if you ignore it or think, ah, I don't have to worry about this. It'll be just fine. You'll end up having to explain to your boss why things aren't working out so well. And um, that's a great place to end today's show. <laughs> James, thanks so much for sharing your time and expertise today. I really appreciate it. And congratulations. Thank you for inviting me. I I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I I hope, uh, I hope your listeners, uh, you know, they, they, hopefully they got something out of it. And uh, yes, thank you. My pleasure to have you here and congratulations on the book again, everybody check it out. Change management for risk professionals. And until next time, Stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.